now. Oh, there we go. Man, well, okay. Good thing we caught this right at the beginning and not like halfway through, because uh, that'd be a real short thing for the podcast. So, so again, many look but few see. The same is true for Jesus. But Mark invites us to look and see Jesus. See, we, we've, seen it, we've seen Jesus do many miraculous things these past eight months in the book of Mark. We, we, we remember at his baptism, we looked on as the sky split and a booming voice from heaven announced, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And we saw Jesus, the son of God. We looked on as he called his disciples to follow him and become fishers of men. And we saw Christ, the Savior. We looked on as as great crowds gathered to be healed, to see miracles. And we saw Christ, the King. We looked on and heard as he taught about the kingdom of God through the parable of the sower, the lamp, and the seed. And we saw Christ, the great prophet. We looked on and watched as he calmed the storm and then cast a demon out from a man and we saw Christ, the all-powerful one. We looked on and saw him bring a little girl back from the dead and into the land of the living and we saw Christ, the giver of life. We looked on and watched as he fed multitudes, the the 4,000, the 5,000 with just scraps and we saw Christ, the creator of all things. And last week, we looked on as finally, finally, Peter and the disciples recognized Jesus for who he was, the Christ. And we saw Christ, the Savior of sinners. But in all our journeys with Jesus, today is one of the most important journeys. Everything so far in this book has been building to this moment. Today, we will look and see Christ the glorious one. Many look, but few see Jesus for who he is. Today, together, I pray that we see the glorious one, Jesus. So our big idea for the day, so we're, I have some slides this morning. Our big idea is this. See Jesus for who he really is, and then fix our eyes on him. So, together, let's stand. Let's see together As we're in Mark 9, verses 2 through 13, we're going to stand for the reading of God's word. And six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before him, and his clothes became radiant intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, 
they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does not come first. Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come and they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I ask that that we would see your glory, that we would see Jesus clearer than we ever have, that we would see Jesus for who he truly, truly is, our Savior. Lord, I pray this morning that any words that come out of my mouth would be of you because your words bring life. My words at best bring death. Lord, it is in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. So this, 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 this uh, week's section of Scripture is going to be broken up into two parts. The first part is this, verses 2 through 8. We're on the mountain with Jesus. So Mark connects the event we're about to witness what, with what has come just before. So in verse 2 in Mark 9, he says this, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. So, so what happened six days prior? <coughs> So it was an eventful day that we witnessed last week. So a quick refresher. On the one hand, they realize that Jesus is the Christ. But then things take like the most dramatic shift possible and they go really downhill. It goes downhill quickly because Peter tries to rebuke Jesus. He, Peter's basically saying, hey, 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 no more talking about suffering and death. You're the Christ set up your kingdom, but Peter was so offensive to Jesus that he rebukes Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. And Mark says six days later, because he wants us to remember Peter's confession and Jesus's rebuke was just six days ago. So Mark is essentially saying, hey, I'm about to show you another episode, but first you need a previously on. So We fast forward six days later, we find Peter and Jesus along with James and John going up a mountain, and it's a high mountain to be exact. The reason I draw your attention to the mountain is because Mark wants us to see that he is painting with the same colors as the book of Exodus. So so we remember the story in Exodus when Moses was on another high mountain. God met his greatest servant, Moses, on top of another high mountain, that mountain being Mount Sinai. So we're going to jump over to Exodus 33 real quick. We're going to pick it up in verse 18. Verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, 
for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft on the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So he does. Moses in Exodus catches the the faintest glimpse of the back of God, but not his face. Not incidentally, this same journey was six days. So, so, so Mark is practically shouting, hey, look, and you will see something more spectacular than the great Exodus. See, Moses could not see God's face, but he caught the barest glimpse of the radiance of the holy and his face shone for days. So in the Bible, mountains are a place where God meets men. Men come up, God comes down. I wonder what's about to happen in our story today as these men journey up a mountain. Let's pick it back up in verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. So Jesus is in an instant clothed in magnificent glory. And things get even more interesting from there. Verse 4. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So, Jesus and the three disciples, they hike up the mountain. All of a sudden, Jesus changes before their very eyes. He's transfigured. His glory is revealed. And then he starts conversing with two very, very long dead prophets. So at the transfiguration for ever so brief a time, again, Jesus reveals all of his glory to these three disciples. But then he is also talking with Moses and Elijah. So so Moses was the great lawgiver who led the people of Israel out out of slavery to Egypt to freedom in the promised land. Elijah was the greatest of the prophets who led the people of Israel away from the worship of Baal idols. So so what does this mean? It means that the testimony of the law and the prophets find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The greatest leader and prophet point to Jesus, the King of Kings, See, Jesus was not an afterthought. He wasn't plan B. He was the only plan. So so history has been marching from Eden to this point on this mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is seen to be the Son of God. Glory radiated outward from Jesus because he was the source of glory. He, he wasn't merely a, a, a leader or a prophet who reflects the glory of God. See, while Moses reflected the glory of God, Jesus is the glory of God because Jesus is God. In, in Hebrews 1:3, it says this: He is the radiance of glory, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. 
and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And it's so good. So, so, and let's think about Moses for a second. He's standing up there on the mountain 15 centuries after he asked to see the glory of God. 15 centuries after he asked to see the face of God, he sees the face of God in the glory of Christ. And you have to imagine Moses saying to Jesus, this is so much better than the last time. I can finally, after 15 centuries, I can finally see your face. Another remarkable thing in this scene is, is the disciples are still alive. So we saw in Exodus that if, if, if someone saw the face of God, the, the Lord says they would not live. So not only are the disciples still alive after this, they're watching Jesus talk to Moses and Elijah. And Moses doesn't tell us how long the three of them talked or what they talked about. If you do want to see what they talked about, check out Luke. He documents it. But see, Mark otherwise doesn't report anything about the conversation. Instead, instead he mentions Peter. So we're, we're starting to see a pattern here with Peter. We saw this last week. And, and I'll just be really honest with you guys. I think sometimes preachers and teachers are like, really too hard on Peter. It's like, let's just give this dude a break. Because honestly, we're more like Peter than most characters in the Bible. We, but we're really hard on Peter. But in fairness, Peter kind of sets himself up for this one. So in verse five, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. So let me just like drop some super deep theological wisdom here. And I, and I have a feeling the kids are going to understand this better than the adults. I'm just going to say that. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. And it's not super deep. It's not that theological. It's actually very basic. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. And I know this would like totally undermine everything in our culture right now, but it would change a lot of our conversations for the better. But it says here that Peter didn't know what to say, so he just blurted something out. So, so Peter starts talking about building tents, but there is more going on here. So when he says, hey, let's build three tents, Tense is the same word that is used in scripture for tabernacle. So he's assuming that they're going to stick around, stick around and need a place to hang out. He's assuming that Jesus is going to stay transfigured and Moses and Elijah are going to hang out with him up on this high mountain, shining forth for all to come and see. And he wants to give them a place to be, but why? So Peter is probably thinking, here we go. This is what I've been talking about. The end of all things is at hand. Let's set up tabernacles so we can visit, maybe bring others back, maybe hear a teaching, get some healing. And each of you needs a place to be. We'll build some shelters. And again, Peter is convinced that Jesus should not suffer. And if he stayed this radiant, if the world got to see him this way, it transfigured, he would not suffer and die. And imagine, people come in, they bow, he'll be able to rule from the mountain with Moses, Mo, Moses? Mm. 
Moses at his left, Elijah at his right. Maybe he'll teach a little bit, heal a little bit. Like Peter was way ahead of the conference game before conferences were a thing. Like Peter wanted to set up the original passion. But anyways, but let, so he's saying, let's make three tabernacles here to worship. But he misunderstands. Verse seven. And a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. The same cloud that enveloped Mount Sinai comes upon this mountain. The same voice that spoke to Moses in Exodus 34 and said this, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. The same voice from the same cloud said to Peter, this is my beloved son, listen to him. See, see, Peter wants his own program for what Jesus should do in the world, but the voice from heaven shouts, listen to him. Don't just look, see. The law and the prophets spoke of the one who would come and make all things right. The one who would come and restore all things. Well, guess what? He is here. He is Jesus. Listen to him. That was God's word for them then. And it's also God's word for us today. Jesus is the beloved son of God. Listen to him. And what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus saying when he tells us to listen to him? What does he say? We know, we know this from scripture, what he says. Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen to him. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Listen to him. Jesus says, whoever, whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen to him. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Church, listen to him. See, some of you right now, in your life, you know about Jesus. You probably know a lot about Jesus. And maybe you've even trusted in Jesus. You know that Jesus is speaking, but you're blocking him out. You have selective hearing. He is speaking, but you're turning away. And, and, and maybe, maybe you're listening to the enemy Maybe you're listening to your heart. Maybe you're listening to the world. But here's the thing. He speaks a better word than your heart, than the enemy, and he definitely speaks a better word than this world. He, speak, he speaks words of life. He speak, speaks words of truth. And he speaks words of victory. 
The word of God says, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus speaking beautiful truth to you that you are loved. You are forgiven. You are washed clean. You are set free. You are made whole and you are given new life in Christ. Verse eight. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. So Peter, James, and John, they clearly did not know what had happened or what to make of it, but they did know this. Jesus stayed with them. Though Jesus is the glorious one who clothes himself with light, he freely chooses to associate with the disciples. He does not abandon them for glory. Jesus does not depart. Again, these three did not understand what this was all about, but they understood the fact that Jesus stayed with them. James Edwards says this, the one who calls himself to follow him does not abandon them for glory, but turns from glory to accompany them on the way to Jerusalem to the cross. So departing to glory would mean this. It would mean no suffering, no rejection, no beating, no mocking, no cross, no death. But for us, it would mean no salvation. It would mean no restored relationship that was broken back in Genesis 3. It would mean no eternity with the Lord. But, Jesus stays. See, verse 8 is Mark's way of saying, listen, focus all of your attention on Jesus. Make your vision singular and your focus clear that you see only Jesus. If you don't look and see Jesus, you won't understand who he is and also you won't understand who you are. Jesus is the one to focus on. Jesus is greater than Moses, the great lawgiver. Jesus fulfills and upholds the law perfectly on our behalf. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus is greater than Elijah, the great prophets. Prophets speak on the behalf of God. Jesus, however, does not speak merely on the behalf of God. He speaks as God because he is God. Only Jesus can do that. And this Jesus, the glorious one, freely chooses to be with these disciples. So Jesus veiled his natural glory and put on flesh. See, these three didn't understand this, but they understood that Jesus was still with them. And then with Jesus, they headed down the mountain. Our second portion of this text, on the way down the mountain with Jesus. So Jesus changes back to his humanly form, and it was time to go. So let's pick it up in verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. So they looked and they saw Jesus shining like the sun 
but they didn't understand what he had come to do. They were confused. See, they they didn't grasp the matter of the resurrection, and so they talk about it to understand what, they talk about amongst themselves what he, he had come to do. They were confused. See, Jesus had told them that he was going to die and rise again. And, and honestly, they're not going to understand in this book. We will not see them truly understand this in the book of Mark. That comes later in the book of Acts. So the last time when this, when this topic of suffering and death came up, Peter tries to rebuke Jesus and Jesus rebukes him. So it seems this time that, that Peter gets a little bit more diplomatic and he, and he sort of hints around. See, Peter is still hinting that Jesus needs not to die, but this time he shows a little bit more tact, but he's still off base. So let's pick it up in verse 11. And they asked him, why do scribes say that first Elijah must come? So, 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 so they're asking about a prophecy in Malachi 4 that predicts Elijah would come before the Christ and make the way ready. So, so, so they're probably thinking, Peter is probably thinking, hey, I just saw Elijah a second ago, shining and glorious. Like, let's go. Like, let's set up your kingdom and let's get on with it. If people saw you like that, you would rule all things. You wouldn't need to suffer. So let's get on with you ruling. But Jesus answers in verse 12. And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come and they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. So Jesus' answer is like, hey, good try, Pete. Wrong again. Elijah has already come and they killed him. See, the promised forerunner who would have the spirit of Elijah was John the Baptist. And Jesus is saying, just as they killed John, they're going to kill me too. I will suffer. And John the Baptist, the one carrying the spirit of Elijah, he's already suffered. He is dead and I'm going to die too. You see, Jesus was transformed. Jesus was transfigured before their eyes both for their benefit and his. They needed to see him for who he really was and understand that that though he will die on the cross, he is the glorious one. And Jesus, Jesus received a foretaste of the glory that would be his again after his suffering, death, and resurrection. From this point on, Jesus points himself to Calvary which brings suffering, death, but then the resurrection. And that brings us to a conclusion, to something that we can hold on to and see. The glory of Jesus is seen in his suffering, death, and resurrection. See, in the transfiguration, in this story, we've seen Jesus on the mountain arrayed with glory. At the crucifixion, we will see him engulfed in, by total darkness. We have seen him in the transfiguration arrayed with blinding light. 
at the crucifixion, we will see him stripped naked in total darkness. At the transfiguration, we just heard, we just heard the voice of the Lord that say, this is my beloved son, listen to him. At the crucifixion, we will see Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we will hear total silence. He will suffer and die, but he will rise to glory. The road to glory always involves suffering. We get a glimpse of the glorious Jesus and we can take at least a few things away from it. So three points of application. Our first point is this. First suffering and then glory. See, Peter didn't want Jesus to suffer because he knew. He knew that meant he would have to suffer too because he followed Jesus. If we're honest, none of us want to suffer. But all of us need to realize, we, we, if we leave here with one thing this morning, is that following Jesus will mean that we will suffer at times just like our Savior did. Sinclair Ferguson said it so much better than me. If our king was tested, tempted, opposed, rejected, and eventually crucified by this world, should it take us by surprise that belonging to this kingdom involves us in a heroic struggle? This life is extremely hard and harder than we like to think. And by the way, if when you came to saving faith, if it was, if it was, if the message was that, that, that being a Christian would be this really easy thing, I'm really sorry. Like you were really lied to. You were fed a bill of goods. Like this is why the prosperity gospel will never work because the prosperity gospel doesn't want to acknowledge suffering. I'm sorry, but every day is not Friday. There will be days where you will think, I cannot make it. There will be months where you think, I cannot make it. There will be years where you think, I don't think I can make it. For days like that, look at this picture. Look at Jesus, his glorious nature. And guess what? Not only is that what he looks like now, it is a glimpse of our own future as well. John, one of the three disciples with Jesus that day on the mountain, writes this in 1 John 3.2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So first comes suffering and then unspeakable glory. Number two, we will not always understand. So Peter, James, and John had no idea what was going on or what Jesus was doing. They were confused. They were bewildered. They were puzzled and dazed. But they followed Jesus. Worship team, you can come back up. Brothers and sisters, there will be days 
where you will be confused, bewildered, puzzled, and dazed. Confused at how discouraging life can be. Bewildered by how often people hurt you, even those who call themselves Christian. Puzzled at how hard it is to just get out of bed sometimes. And dazed as you just seem to be slammed and slammed and slammed against the rocks of hardship. But we follow Jesus. These disciples did not understand much, but they kept following Jesus. And you will not always understand where he is leading you, but keep following Jesus. Number three, in all things, look and see Jesus. Fix your sight on Christ. Look here. Look here at the pages of Scripture. Look at this. And we see the glory of God, the glory of Jesus Christ, and we can build our life around Him. The Bible's first author in Genesis, Moses, and the Bible's last author in Revelation being John, both stand and looking and seeing Jesus. We should as well. We are tempted by this world. We are tempted in this life to look a great many different ways. But may we look and see Jesus. Look not to the same old sin that keeps tripping you up. You look and see Jesus who always forgives. Look, look not to your fears that speak with no truth. No truth at all. But look and see Jesus who speaks a better word. Look not to your flaws that, that, that push you to despair. Look and see Jesus who only has love for you. Look not to your past with regrets, but look, to G look and see Jesus who has removed all your sins. As scripture tells us, as far as the east is from the west. Look not to the future with its uncertainty. Look to Jesus who stands like a rock to build our lives on. Look not to the spirit of death. Look and see Jesus who has not only defeated death, but has given us new life. Look and see Jesus, the Son of God, the glorious one, our Savior. Let's pray. Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see, eyes to see you clearer than we ever have before. Lord, I also pray that you would give us ears to hear, ears to hear your voice, ears to listen to what you are telling us to do, ears to be obedient with. Lord, we love you. And it is in your name we pray, amen.